And now, broadcasting from a two-person hot tub, high atop the Butterfield Park water tower, it's the E-Town Lowdown, created by Robbie and Rick. And now, your handsome hosts, PK and Rick. Welcome to another special edition of the E-Town Lowdown, COVID-19 pandemic. Today is Tuesday, January 5th, 2021, and uh, who would have guessed that we're still talking about COVID um, when it first first came into our uh, view back in February or March of uh, last year, and today I have my good friend, uh, Ms. Pamela Dunley. She's the president and CEO of Elmhurst Memorial Hospital on the phone. How are you, Pam? I'm excellent, but I'm looking outside and I can see winter really is here. There's snow and it's gloomy and it's typical Chicago weather. <laughs> I fired up my snowblower last week, so uh, I uh, I felt the pain myself, and it but it felt good to get out there that first time. I think uh, a month from now uh, we won't be too excited about it, will we? No, but at least it's pretty when it's all white and the trees are white and you don't have to rush to work like during the holidays, so that was nice. So here, here we are, uh, nearly ten months later since we last spoke or first spoke about COVID, and uh, it, it's still upon us. So, can you give us an update as to what your patient counts are currently? Yes. Yeah, so we spoke last week, and it, it hasn't changed drastically. Last week we had forty-four positive inpatients with four people on vents and two people still um, waiting results to see if they were positive. Um, currently today we have 40, so four less with six on vents, so two more that are, uh, requiring ventilation and another four waiting results. Uh, last week we had 138 deaths. This week we have 141 deaths. Um, for the county last week, they were at 60,473 positive patients. This week they're at 63,396 positive patients. Deaths went from 1,003 to 1,062. And then in the state, we went from 944,000 positive patients to 987,000 positive patients. And deaths went from 17,476 to 18,414. And, um, you know, so that tells us it's still lethal. It's still happening. People are still getting it in our state, in our county, and in our area. Um, discharges, though, the positive news, we went from 1,160 discharges last week to 1,245 discharges, and the state recovery rate remains at 97%, so that continues to be good news. I know that uh, a lot of doctors are preferring, and maybe the hospitals too, that patients are uh, staying home if their symptoms aren't too extreme and, and kind of taking care of themselves at home. So does that mean that, that the majority of patients who do need inpatient care are in ICU, or is that just a small percentage? So, no, the majority do not need ICU, but they do need medical um, care when they get hospitalized. And, and what we're doing when they're in the hospital and not in an intensive care unit is we're monitoring their oxygen levels. We're giving them oxygen on the medical floors. We're making sure there's no change in their condition that would require them to go to an intensive care unit because that change can come on very rapidly and it can be hard to detect if you're not being monitored. And then if you don't get the, the care required 
and get it done quick enough, then, you know, when you get in the ICU, it may be a much rougher time or even fatal if you don't have the right amount of care. We do try to keep people out of the hospital, so we do not admit them unless they have um, a significant need, but usually that significant need is related to oxygen levels and um, making sure we're monitoring uh, their heart rates and their and their how they're oxygenating in their blood. The good news is that the majority of ICU COVID admissions are patients who are under, have underlying other conditions like pulmonary and cardiac issues. So it's it's a lot of people who don't have those issues do not end up in the intensive care unit. From the numbers that you've uh, given us recently, it appears that at least so far there's no holiday spike, so to speak. Do you think that might still happen? Well, I don't think it's quite an accurate reflection for you because the numbers that I'm giving you about hospitalized doesn't mean it's a total number of positive COVID cases. So we are beginning to see a slight increase in the number of positive COVID cases, but the majority of those are outpatient. And we're seeing them in with people who were at family gatherings during the holidays, although I don't know how many people were not at family gatherings, but, it, you know, larger family gatherings, we are starting to see more positive COVID cases. I've seen reports of variants of the virus around the country in different areas. Have we seen any of those cases locally? And, and uh, if so, um, is that easily detected by a COVID test? So we have not seen any here, but we wouldn't know if we did or not because the way we test, we cannot tell what the strain is. We can only tell if they have it or not. Um, other labs that do a different form of testing that uh, are looking at the DNA levels and the RNA levels, they can, they can determine the strains. We just know whether it's present or not. Um, but I, the Illinois Department of Public Health has been monitoring, and they have not seen anywhere in Illinois where they do look at that, those levels if um, any of that different strain yet. Uh, they will monitor it and continue to look, but we would not know here because our tests don't show that. Last week you happened to mention uh, a site where you were going to be giving some vaccinations in Downers Grove on Butterfield. And my wife and I went out to a forest preserve for a hike this weekend and happened to drive by there and saw the location. It looks like it might be an old bank building. Um, so my question is, are you uh, testing there also, or will you just be administering vaccinations there? We are doing both there. Right now, um, we opened it on 1228, and it's 22.05 West Butterfield Road. And we've been doing both COVID testing for any patient of EEH who wants to go there. They just have to schedule through central scheduling, um, but and they have to have a physician's order. Central scheduling number is 331-221-0005, and it's by appointment only for testing. The vaccine, we are only doing vaccines for employees right now, but we have started uh, administering the Madura vaccine out there, and, um, and that has been going very well for our employees. So yes, we are up and running. It is walking right now. Recognizing that it's a voluntary um, procedure to, to get the vaccination if you're an EE Health employee, what percentage of those that approximately that want to be vaccinated have already been vaccinated, at least with the first dose? 
So, yeah, we've offered it to all of our Elmhurst employees, and approximately 60% of, of the Elmhurst employees have gotten vaccinated. Um, but we were hoping to get more than that. We would like to get between 90 and 100% of our employees vaccinated. So we are going to kind of do a campaign to try and educate more of our employees on how important it is to get vaccinated. It's not mandatory, but we really believe both for their own safety as well as, you know, for the risk for their family, if they're in our hospital, that it is good for them to get vaccinated. Um, and we've also started vaccinating uh, some of our, our emergency management personnel. So we've vaccinated about 375 emergency management personnel across the system. So when does it look like you'll have enough doses, if not already, to vaccinate all employees who want to be vaccinated right away? I think we have enough to, to vaccinate all of our employees. Uh, we're just working on getting them all to get it done. So has a, the second shipment arrived yet for those like yourself? You mentioned, I believe, January 7th is, is your second dose. Um, has that second um, doses, have the second doses of vaccine arrived at the hospital and are they waiting to be administered when you hit that three-week period? So, yes, it's, I mean, no, it has not arrived yet. Yes, it will be coming. It's hopefully coming tomorrow. And we are planning to start the second dose on Thursday. That's the day that we need to. That's the day we started the doses. And we've been guaranteed that we will have our shipment in by tomorrow. So we are waiting anxiously for that shipment. And, and would you prioritize folks that needed a second dose before folks that had received the first dose? So we really don't look at it as, as um, either or. They're two independent processes because we know that you need both vaccine doses to really be at a level where we hit that 95% of uh, vaccinated that you would not get COVID. So we, um, we have enough vaccine to get the other employees vaccinated. And so those are separate, and you want to make sure it's the same type of vaccination. So if you had Pfizer, you need to get Pfizer again for the second one. If you have Madeira, you have to get Madeira again for the second one. So we are um, looking at it totally separate, and so there's not a comparison of which one we would be prioritizing. So I think you mentioned last week that the Pfizer vaccine doses are three weeks apart, and the Moderna are, are four weeks apart. So... My question is, if let's say for some odd reason the person can't get their second dose on the exact day they're supposed to get it and they take it three, four days later, is it still just as effective as far as we know? Well, the ideal time frame is to be within three or four days of that 21-day um, difference for Pfizer, but we will vaccinate even if they're a little bit later because we know it will help. It may be quite not as effective, but we want to make sure they get that second vaccination. Preferably, though, they're within a three to four day range around that date. So is the government that's kind of controlling the process of vaccinations, are they the ones that are going to be responsible to identify who's eligible next other than healthcare workers or is it up to the hospitals to actually identify those folks? 
No, it's not up to the hospitals, and I'm glad you asked that question because some people have called and said, why aren't you letting me get my vaccination? And we want everybody to be able to get vaccinated, but we have to follow the Illinois Department of Public Health and the DuPage County Health Department rules around who can be vaccinated and when they can be vaccinated. They have a, a phase process going on, and there are different phases uh, of who can be vaccinated. So phase 1A was healthcare personnel, um, part of healthcare hospital, and long-term care residents and staff. Phase two is persons age 75 years and older, frontline essential workers as defined by the state of Illinois, and sheltered populations, homeless day programs, and inmates are in phase, two, phase 1B. Phase 1C is persons age 16 to 59 who have high-risk medical conditions, persons age 65 to 74, or other essential workers as defined by the state of Illinois. And then phase two, so those are the first, first three phases of phase one. And then phase two is large numbers of vaccinations available, focusing on everybody else. So making sure everybody else that was not included in those, that phase one group will get uh, vaccinated. So is it is it apparent yet how people will figure out when they can get vaccinated? In other words, let's just say that I'm in the 1C category. Um, I have some sort of a medical condition and I'm 29 years old. No, I'm not 29 years old, but let's say I am. Um, and, I, <laughs> and I know that, you know, my number's up. Do I have to proactively go seek the vaccine or is somebody going to contact me based on a relationship with a doctor? How does that work? So we don't know yet. We're going to be working very closely with the county around how to get people out to get vaccinated. Um, we're working with the county on where it's going, they're going to be happening. So they'll be happening at the hospitals. We'll be happening at clinic sites, ambulatory sites, and also in DuPage County will be happening in their Wheaton location. We haven't determined the, the mechanism for getting that information out, uh, but we will be working closely with the county to make sure people know. You know that hopefully people will see enough information on TVs, newspapers, but, and if you have physicians, obviously your physician offices will be calling you. And if you're in uh, my chart, I'm sure they will be sending out reminders too, but we haven't finalized any of that. Has uh, Elmhurst Hospital seen any difference in side effects between the two vaccines yet? No, Moderna and Pfizer seem to have similar side effects. I know they said that Moderna's were a little less than Pfizer's or a little less frequently, um, but we haven't seen any difference. Okay. Um, question uh, not about a vaccine, and that is related to ER traffic. You've mentioned that ER traffic has been down uh, recently, and, and I know there have been some hypotheses that you know, maybe kids aren't in sports as much, so there's not as many fractures, this or that. But are you continuing to see lower than normal ER visits? Uh, November was busier with the ER, and then December was not as busy again. So it's up and down. Um, I just think people aren't necessarily always wanting to get help if they don't feel well. And, and we do still see pediatric volumes down everywhere across. Um, the pediatric volume, volume uh, monthly basis averages about 
a thousand to twelve hundred visits per month, and we're right now averaging between four and six hundred visits per month. So that's a huge. Drop. That's significant. Wow. How about other yeah. procedures that are on, um, you know, non-life threatening? Are they pretty much back to normal? Yes, most of those are pretty much back to normal. Um, our, our surgical volumes are up, and our um, all of our other procedural areas seem to be back up again. So I saw that there was a, a local high-end clothing manufacturer or designer that had made some medical isolation gowns for EE Health. Can you tell me about that, how that came to be? I certainly can, and thanks for asking. We have a very brilliant system CEO, Lou Mastro, and she uh, made the decision. She, she personally reached out to a company to see, because we were having so much trouble with the quality of our isolation gowns and getting enough of them, and so she reached out to a company to see if they could assist with um, isolation gowns, and uh, it was a great success. So Lou's son went to school with a young man, Yervaj, I'm probably butchering his front, first name, uh, Dougal is his last name, whose father, Mac Dougal, designs prom dresses, ball gowns, and couture formal wear out of his Burridge headquarters. So Mr. Dougal and his son and their team worked closely with Edward Elmhurst infection control experts and our healthcare workers to understand the needs we had uh, regarding fit and, fit and functionality and safety for gowns. And after a few rounds of testing and adjustments and inspections, 400,000 light blue protective gowns inscribed with the Mac Dougal logo were purchased by Edward Elmhurst Health. They were imported from China and delivered to the Naperville and Elmhurst hospitals from July 31st to August 3rd. And these gowns are very breathable, high-quality, disposable gowns uh, that receive a lot of praise from our employees and are still being used along with equipment from other sources. So we're very, very thankful to the Dougal family for helping us out. Kind of reminds me of the stories I've heard about World War II where companies that, that could you know, really stepped up and did their part. So uh, I applaud uh, those folks for stepping up and doing that and very resourceful of uh, Lou Mastro. So thank you for that uh, that little tidbit. So I'm driving down Route 83 last week and I look up and there's one of those electronic billboards and I see an advertisement for a new podcast competition for us, of course called Health 360 with Dr. G, and it's affiliated with EE Health. Can you, can you tell me about that podcast and about, I mean, who is Dr. G and uh, what, what kinds of things will he talk about in his podcast? So Dr. G, the infamous Dr. G, is Dr. Mark Gomez, and Dr. Gomez grew up in the northern, northern suburbs of Chicago, and he followed through with his goal to study medicine and graduated from Loyola University Stritch School of Medicine in 2004. He completed his internal medicine residency at Loyola University Medical Center, becoming a board-certified internist in 2007. And he joined um, Edward Hospital, and so he's a member of the Edward Health Ventures medical staff. Um, and he is a family practitioner. And he started, he wanted to um, debunk misinformation that was out there in the public about health. And so he started a podcast um, that was aimed to debunking information. 
and he wanted to just share valuable science-backed facts from healthcare experts. And so he started his podcast on his own, and then we helped it, him with it. And um, so it is now a, a joint venture with him and us. His, um, if anybody wants information on uh, or links for him, he's at uh, www.eehealth.org slash healthcare-healthy-driven-slash-podcast or uh, www.eehealth.org slash blog slash 2020-slash-12-slash-doctors-dash-g-podcast-dash-host. But he he's a very nice man and very smart. And he's on Facebook, too. You gave us a lot of information about some really great credentials as it relates to him being a physician, but I don't think he probably knows anything about being a podcaster. So good luck to Dr. Gomez. <laughs> no, I'd actually, uh, yeah, sure. I'd actually like to have him on as a guest sometime. That's uh, that's really neat. And it sounds like a great new resource for the community. Um, one last question I have for you um, related to something I asked before, but it's about first responders, and you said that uh, if I if I took good notes, that they're probably in Group One B to get those vaccinations. Will will uh, um, let's say an ambulance uh, medic or uh, EMT will they get their shot if they work in Elmhurst at Elmhurst Hospital, or do they go through their personal physician? How does that work? Yes, we will be working with them, and they can do it either way, but we have been uh, working with them to make sure they all get their vaccinations. We want them vaccinated. And we have already started some of those vaccinations. And and so we're in, are we technically in 1B then at this point? Well, because they come into the hospital, we were able to put them in under the hospital, but they're right in between 1A and 1B. So, yes, we're, we're moving into 1B. We're not quite there yet, but we will be very soon. So you think maybe by the end of January we'll have some of those 1B folks vaccinated? Oh, yes. I'm, I'm pretty sure we will. Well, great. Well, I think uh, for the most part it was all good news today. I appreciate your time, and uh, I look forward to talking to you again soon, and I hope those numbers continue to go down as it relates to COVID cases and inpatient census, and I hope that the uh, the number of those vaccinated continues to go up, and I, I hope most people will stand in line and uh, – get that vaccination when it's their time. Thank you, Pam. Thank you so much, and I agree with you. Anybody who can get vaccinated, please get vaccinated. We want to get on with our lives, and we want you all healthy. So have a wonderful, wonderful day, and I will talk to you soon. Thank you. The E-Town Lowdown brought to you by the wonderful folks at the Elmhurst Armpit Orchestra featuring the biggest bass drum in the world. At nine feet in diameter. Yes, you heard that right. Nine feet in diameter. This has been a special presentation of the E-Town Lowdown.